0: What's going on ladies and gentlemen, this is muscle and this is another two line music cuts, entertainment report podcast. And tonight we have a very, 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 very special guest in the building. Listen, this man has been in the business for over 25 years. He's a DJ, a producer, entrepreneur, and definitely a game changer. You know, who we have in the building today. We have master Lee in the building. What's going on big boss.
1: Muscle. What up, man? It's been a while, bro, like I've known you for so long, and you've always like seen and been a part of this journey, man, so I'm glad to
0: be here for you, bro. Crazy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When I said, yo, you know what, where's Lee? Search Instagram, and I, see <laughs> it. Hit that, and I sent you a message, and you responded right away. I said, yes, Master Lee. Right. You know what I mean? Crazy, crazy. We have a lot to talk about tonight, so let's go right from the beginning and bring it right up to today, all right? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so then now, what part of Jamaica do you grow up in and what actually attracted you to music in the first place? These are things about me that not even you know. I grew up in England, right?
1: Yeah, so I actually didn't grow up on reggae music and dance, I grew up on pop and like house music. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, So I came to Jamaica as like a teenager now, right? Uh, My parents are Jamaican. They came back to Jamaica, wanted to come back home dragged me kicking and screaming with them you know what i mean i didn't want to come i didn't know about jamaica you know what i mean but mm-hmm. when i came to jamaica now settled in and thing and then started doing road going out i got introduced to reggae music and dancehall man and that whole culture is just like infectious like once you get a taste of it that's it it's done like you're now a part of it you know what i mean
0: for sure a hundred hundred percent but that i had no clue that exactly. it was really England. To Jamaica I had yep. no idea
1: yep 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 yep, yep.
0: and what year what year we're talking about here what time did you, what year did you actually get to Jamaica
1: I came to Jamaica in like 86 I think
0: okay yeah and then so then you said the infectious you heard the music you started loving it and stuff so when did you decide to actually jump into it you know what um I mean in a
1: way I'm kind of unruly you know what I mean so in school days now right um Straight-A student, but I didn't really too like school still, you know what I mean? So I never used to go. We used to bond school, and I had some friends around, you know, were from, you don't know, the more garrison areas and thing. So I used to power them, go up and fit them in, and that's how I got introduced to the real roots of dancer, you know what I mean? Done by and Pen and those places, man. And um, that's when I first saw, like, a sound with speaker boxes piled up into the air higher than I can see, like it going to the moon. I'm like, Yo! Different, different vibe, Virgin, and this is the real root of the culture. So that was the first introduction, right? Mm-hmm. After that, now, don't know, Stone Love, House of Leo. See? Now, that was like a game changer, man. Like, my mentor in the business when I went into the business was Rory from Stone Love. Okay. Yeah, like, I saw him play, and I was like, yeah, I want to be him. <laughs> like, I swear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which I'm sure it did for a lot of people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that's big right there. So it was Rory. And then, okay, so then now you've seen all this going in. What was, did you actually join a song? You built a song. You started out as a DJ. What was your first move for you?
1: All right, so like in high school now, right, I had a song with a friend of mine, Freddie, right? And you don't know, we had a little song named Audio FX. I used to play for a friend there, man. You don't know, house parties and those things. And that's what introduced me to music. And then what happened was, is that I realized that I was really good at it. Like nobody ever taught me how to mix or anything. I just automatically knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. And um because I did it so well, I had to grow from there. You know what I mean? And then he migrated, so that kind of fell apart. And um uh, yeah, I just kind of like moved on from there. From there I went to a song called Meloconary. That was my first, yeah, that was my first introduction into the business of the business. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So some well-known DJs at the time, seen, saw me, and you don't know, Alric Boy Boyd, actually, you know, and yeah, they, they, they recognized a the talent man, and they introduced me to the dude One owned Canary, and they were like, yo, what do you think? And I was like, yo, forward. And I was with them for a little bit, and then this is how the story went. Um, doing well on that zone, seen, I got recognized by Delano, you know what I mean? Um, you look like you don't even know this part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let me go even back deeper then. Yeah, so you might not know this, but the majority of the uptown selectors you know right now globally, you know what I mean? They all came from Kingston 6. So that's me, that's Dr. Dre from Renaissance, that's Jazzy T, that's Y Rush, um, that's Code Lank who plays code right now. All from Kingston 6, man. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, at the time, Dr. Dre was playing Renaissance, right? And, um, yeah, Renaissance needed more people, man. And he introduced me to Delano and said, well, Delano knew me already still, but he kind of gave me the link and said, yo, lead about, man, what do you think? And I
0: ended up on Renaissance. You know what I mean? That I did not know about. At what year were you actually on Renaissance? This would have been
1: 95 or 96, I think. No, nah, earlier than that, like about 94. 94. I was with them for two years.
0: And what yeah. was that journey like on Renaissance?
1: Um, that was enlightening, man, in enough, enough, enough ways, because the first Uptown sound to break into dancer really and truly, was Renaissance, man. And you know that had a lot to do with Delano and his remix skills, and I was a remixer. Like, that's how I made my name in the music. You know, mm-hmm. as a remixer. So to be amongst somebody like him who was basically paving the way. Yeah, it was a it was a blessing. You know what I mean? And they were the person, they were they were the song that first carried me out into the world. And My first overseas date was to the Renaissance.
0: Do you remember where it was it you actually went?
1: I can tell you everything about the date. I have like close to very very close to a photographic memory, bro. <laughs> <All> right? This <laughs> was um Miami, you know what I mean? And me and Dr. Dre went. You know what I mean? I think Delano had a find it somewhere. Else, so I don't remember what the exact situation was. You know what I mean? And yeah, we went there and we shelled it, man. And then because me and Dre come from Kingston 6, we'll have that relationship. We've been practicing together and playing together for years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's where
0: the journey officially started. Okay. So you're on Renaissance for about two years. We're talking about from about 94 to 96. Was there any reason in particular you left or it was just time to move on? All right. You know, I didn't
1: want to get into that. Let's just say it was time to move on, put it that way, man. You know what okay. I mean? All right.
0: Okay. So then what was the next move after that? Then? The next move,
1: I wasn't even sure of, to be honest, man. I just knew I had to move on, so I did. And then a friend of mine, Robert Collins, you now, right? He, at the time, had a very strong link with the guys that owned Travelers, the Mighty Travelers, who were, you know, the leading sound system in the 90s. Outside of Stone Love, it was them and Stone Love battling for number one, man. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, yo, you wouldn't be interested in playing them song. And me as an uptown, you know, I was like, nah, <laughs> right? Because I mean, you don't know the vibes, man. It's like I was skeptical about it. You know what I mean? This is going like really into the answer now. You know what I mean?
0: But wasn't Travelers actually an
1: uptown song though? No. Tra- Travelers was like in the middle ground, you know what I mean? So they played a lot uptown, but they were really a, a dance house too too, man. So, I mean, they played in everywhere in Jamaica from Tivoli, Rima, Jungle, back to everywhere, everywhere in rural Jamaica, et cetera, et cetera. Now call it that, you know, maybe we get brought back because, you know, I'm playing Renaissance, an uptown sound. you know what I mean? So it was way out for me when, you know, my virgin brought it to me originally, right? But you don't know, as I said, I used to bond school and, you know, got enough place you know what i mean so it wasn't really a deal to me so i thought about it twice now and i was like you know what it's definitely a possibility man let's talk about it see and he hooked up a meeting between me and a person that owned us so and um yeah this is some deep information that you wouldn't even know man mm-hmm. when i started linking with them it wasn't to play travelers right yeah this is some real deep history now bro Right? Because yep. dude that owned Travelers, dude named Kirk, mm-hmm. he had an intention to take over the whole business. See? So you don't know. He didn't build a song from scratch. He bought Travelers.
0: Travelers yeah. wasn't built from scratch.
1: Travelers was built from scratch by somebody else. Right? When this guy took it over and took it to where it was in the nineties, he bought it It was like, I'm not starting from scratch and building a song. I'm taking something that already exists. You know what I mean? And he just bought the whole thing, man. And when I linked up with them, what he wanted to do was build an uptown song. So he wanted to have his song that competes with, you don't know, in dance with the likes of Stone Love and Mention and everybody else. But he wanted an uptown song to also compete with the likes of Renaissance, etc., etc. People don't know this. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So when I came onto the scene, my virgin introduced me to him. He was like, yo, you're the perfect person to lead this song. You already have the name you're already connected uptown. You used to play Renaissance, so you know all of their people and all of their crowd and everything. You're the perfect person to run this, man. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up a part of that organization. So in the time that he was gonna take to actually build that sound, I wasn't working. And he said to me, you know what? What we can do in the meantime, when I have like triple dates, on Travelers, I'll make you play the third date. So at least you're eating a food, you know what I mean? And you're earning. So yeah. when we had three dates on Travelers, I'd play the third date, but I'd shell it. He's not expecting me to shell it enough because he's thinking that I'm that uptown selector. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? So I can only play uptown, but I can play anywhere. You know what I mean? And I learned from the songs in the garrison. You know what I mean? That's who I learned to play dance out from. It's not like I learned to
0: play uptown, you know what I mean? this so. is where this is where the story gets really interesting is a traveler's journey here because yeah. when you got to travelers who was on there already when you got there when I got there it was Boxer,
1: um, Juxi, Fire, um, a youth named Lassell um, and I'm not sure if Malcolm X was a part of the sonnet I think he was I think he just left Stone Love. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean and, um, yeah, that was this guy's formula, man. I'm going to build a dream team. Like, yo, if I can have a Malcolm X from Stone Love, a boxer from African Star who was notorious at the time, you know what I mean? A Juxi Killer who was just full of talent. Yeah, I'm good to go. So when I came around now, see, now I'm an uptown selector. And he was like, hmm. And then I'd play, like, the third date on Travelers. shell it. So then I got promoted. You know what? Played a double date. You know what I
0: mean? Got you going have, up the line.
1: Yeah, so when we have three dates now, see, you play the second date. The second date is the second most important date and then Boxer and Juxi would go to the, the most important date because they were the two stars on the song at the time. So that's how me and Malcolm X started working together now, right? And then me and Malcolm X that shell everything.
0: What was one of the first dances or clashes you remember playing on Travelers?
1: That's too far back, man. I can't Sorry. tell you that. There's been so many. I can't tell you the first. You know what I mean? I can't tell you the most notable. See? Three most give me, notable events. Give me those. in My career, right? Untravelers. On
0: mm-hmm.
1: One will clash King Adis in the UK. Yes. Right? And mm-hmm. it was such an overthrow. Mataran had left King Addis at the time still, right? Mm-hmm. King Adis was babyface. Well, name Lionface now. And a youth named Winterfresh used to play a song named Turbophonic, which was the body song in Jamaica. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, yo, me and Juxy locked them off clean, man.
0: Addies and in, in the UK.
1: Addies in the UK. Them talk about it on the BBC. On BBC Radio. It came on BBC Radio the next day. Like, yo, mad upset. So that was one of the most notor- notable clashes. See? The other two were... Travelers versus Kilimanjaro at UE.
0: Right? UE, yes, 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 yes. I remember because Travelers and Jaro clash so much, but we're going to get into that just now. But I want to hear about the UE dance.
1: All right, the UE dance. Now, that was like my nightmare clash, man. Right. I got him back with code, right. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, was like my nightmare dance, man, because um, I was hot at the time, man. Like I just come in the glean and I'm talking about. They interviewed me about Niglena about you know the whole remix thing and remixing dub plates and this and that. And yeah, Trooper decided to embarrass me about that, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was like, yo, Master Lee, in a paper I talk about the remix thing I go on right now, it's not double plates and say, so, yo, all that double plate chopped like like The man did me wicked the day that <laughs> you know what I mean. And um in lock off travelers
0: clean at you, clean, 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 clean. And who was playing I that? Mean, it was you and who else that was playing that night? I'm travelers. Squad was there. I was there. juxi was definitely
1: there. I think Malcolm X was there. I don't know if Boxer was there still. You understand what I'm saying? But yeah, it was pretty much the full squad, man. And it was Jaro with Trooper, which is the Jaro that we're all, you know. What I mean, that legendary Jaro. And yeah, the man did a wicked.
0: <laughs> <See? Wow. laughs> yeah, I remember those clashes. It's like Jaro and Travelers. Played as much as Jaro and Black Cat did at one time. It's like every week, couple times a week, Jaro and Travelers, Jaro and Travelers. You know the
1: funny thing about that, though, that we was bridging, mm-hmm. yeah, for like sure. real, bridging. like real, real, real bridging, like Trooper and the Boss for Travelers was like real friends, meaning like he would come check him in the yard, and even after the day, after we done war you know, we'd all link up and chat about it, you know, you know, real bridging, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, it's a sort of thing, up. Uh, Competitive though, sure. yeah. When it mm. come to himself, mm. friendship done until after that answer, yeah. See? Right? straight, and I would do anything me need to do for win, just know that you know what I mean. So, um,
0: yeah, crazy, because I know the link Kirk Matthews and Trooper they had a real good connection. It's almost like Trooper's job was to bring travelers into certain places and give them the bus,
1: yeah. In a way, that's kind of before my time. But mm-hmm. definitely, him being associated with the song mm-hmm. and giving him the help he did, did a lot for the song. You know what I mean? And holy for dub them voice, or by Jaro Studio. You know what I mean? Um, holy for artists for them voice is mm-hmm. trooper, get them them artists and say, yo, him call them, come on the studio, him go up, they go voice, then, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? So it's definitely a strong link still.
0: Okay. And what would be the um, third one, third Clash on Travelers that you remember that you can't forget? third
1: one. The third one. Was travelers versus bodyguard with Firelinks in New York.
0: Yes. Big, See, big, big clash.
1: Big clash, man. It went on to like wee hours of the morning, man. And um yo, that's when I got first hand experience of like yo, how bad firelinks is yeah you know what I mean? Bad, bad, bad selector. Got him back with quarter 2, by the way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're getting it. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, man, you know, it's all good, man. Mm-hmm. And do you remember that bodyguard dance in particular? It was Brooklyn. What was it about that dancer that was so memorable to you?
1: Um, I, I guess for me, it was the command that Firelinks had over the crowd, man. You know what I mean. And you know, we grew up on certain selectors. You don't know whether it be the Ricky Trooper them or the squingey them from Base Odyssey. You know what I mean. Peace, also, my youth. You know what I mean. Um, like Firelinks is level of performance. Like he's a performer. That's the difference. Like, for example, you have a Mataran, legend in the business. Mataran full of chat. Mataran is a murderer, but he must stand up and kill you. You know what I mean. Well, links kind of like squinny. Him, I climb up on something and him, my entry up on top of the speaker box. So, but that's something Then him run gone, like him all over the place, man. And that's what caught us off guard. Not really off guard, but it put us off balance, man. Because it's like Juxia try to compete with him in his own element, which you cannot do. You know what I mean? Like, yo, if if links to this, don't try follow links and do that. There's a reason why links do that. Maybe you can't do it like it. maybe you can. But what you want to do is something different. You want to counteract it in a different way. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that was uh, the third most memorable clash, man. Yeah.
0: Okay. I have some here, too. I'm not sure if you were actually a part of them. But let's go through this list I have, and we'll take it from there. Okay? Sure. So we talked about the bodyguard. That was 98 in Brooklyn there. Another one was, were you actually at the Travelers versus Stone Love?
1: Funnily enough, you're talking about the one in Ochi, right? Yes. I was there, but I was there as Renaissance. Isn't that interesting? <sighs> what? I was there as Renaissance. So it was Stone Love, Travellers, Another Sound, and Renaissance. And I went as Renaissance. So I I was there and I saw the whole thing. You <laughs> saw what I'm saying, hand. You know what I mean? And that was like, yeah, what the hell about that? It's still like, I swear.
0: You know what I mean? That's- I didn't realize that part there. Okay. Another one. You said the Addies in UK. How -hmm. about the Addies in Washington? No, I don't think I was there, man. Yeah, man, you were there. That was the one with Face. It was at the DC Dragon Center. Face was playing Addies. I think it might have been him by himself. And it was you, Juxy, and I think one other person that was clashing Addies in Washington. I vaguely recall it. Now that you mention it, I vaguely
1: recall it still. And yeah, it was face alone. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I remember him calling us in and then me and Juxy the play, and then him come back in. It was him alone.
0: Yes. Yeah. he yeah, yeah, yeah. had on a, a cordless microphone, one of those ones that goes yeah. around.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. 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 Yeah. Big yes. one there. Okay. Another one here. This was, I'm not sure if you were here at this one. This was Traveler's Bass Odyssey versus um, LP and Soul Supreme in New York. Nah,
1: nah, 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 I wasn't there I
0: think I was before my time still Before your time there too okay. Yeah, before my time Did you actually Clash Base Odyssey on Travelers? No, no, never
1: That's the reason why it was before my time Never Clash Base Odyssey, I never Clashed LP You understand what I'm
0: saying? So it had to have been before my time mm-hmm. Wow, okay So when you're there, tell me some of your Favorite dubs in Travelers Box That you actually like to play back then the Beanie Man Bounty Killer, which was
1: legendary. You know what I mean? The only song to play two-man in combination. Um, there's just so many of them, man. Um, because at the time, you know, like, we had a good relationship with Killer, you but we were really Beanie Man sounds. So everything Beanie Man did, we got first. You know what I mean? chop, 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 a So, so many dubs, man. And everything that Kirk voiced was like three the hard way.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> One of my yeah, one so my favorite like, my favorite juggling on travelers was when you guys would play. I think it was the six or seven killers on the quarter. Really, back to back to back to back to back. To back, to back. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was about, man. I mean,
1: it was a heavy sound, still. You know, what I mean, like pull no punches, and yeah, when them man dubbing them, mm-hmm. They don't even like vice one artist by himself. It's like call three four to the studio one time and just voice them in combination you know what i mean that's what made our dubs anthems and exclusive you know what i mean because yo and we put a lot i put a lot of what i learned from those previous songs and studying them and working with them into what we did with Code red man
0: for sure with travelers did you actually cut any of the dubs here or you were more or less selected and doing that type of stuff on your sound
1: I was more of a selector. I mean, I was there sometimes at the studio session, so when we were by Sprague and Cabra, I was there. So, you know, I knew them from them time then because of that, you know what I mean? But the main guys in the dubs were Juxi, boxer, put it that way, you know what I mean? They were the most notorious on the sound at the time, you know what I mean? So when I came in, you know what I mean? I was still a younger. And I mean they were already fully loaded, like you
0: know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Even some of your do you remember some classical juggling dances with travelers?
1: Mm, too many, man. I guess none I can single out. You have to you have to remember you know, that at this point in time. When I moved from being the third dance selector to the second dance selector to the first dance selector, I mean. I was playing three, four nights a week. When I started traveling, um, I was on a plane every single weekend. People thought I lived in foreign because you're talking about a two year period where I'm literally playing a dance overseas every single weekend. So I come back to Jamaica for one day, that's it. And then be gone again. Because He wouldn't string It wouldn't string together the dates like you would know, you know, like for example, they'd have one date in Miami, one date in New York, one date in Atlanta. You wouldn't want the third promoter to be dependent on those selectors already being in foreign. So how it always worked was if we had a date in Miami, we'd go play that date and come back. Even <laughs> if the date in Atlanta was the next day, you know. <laughs> right? We'd leave again the next day and go to Atlanta and come back. So everybody get them dates, everybody book them tickets, and, yo, mad work, man. But that's the reason why it's hard for me to single out a one juggling dance in particular and say, yo, that answer, because there's just so many of them, man.
0: Yeah. The crash dances stick out more to me. You know what I mean? That that makes sense because you say you were traveling. Do you remember the first place you actually traveled on Travelers?
1: That probably would have been Miami. I can't remember the date exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, That would require some deep, deep, deep thought, man. Mm-hmm. But it was probably Miami. You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
0: Um, yeah, and I went with Malcolm X. That's what it was, man. I'm pretty sure of it. Yeah, so you and Malcolm X were basically the team at that time there.
1: Yeah, so me and Malcolm X were the team, and then Travelers was exploding at the time, right? So not only did we have like three, four dates a week in Jamaica, now we started having double dates in foreign and them thing there. So then it was like Boxer and Juxy got to one date, and then me and Malcolm X had the next date. You know what I mean? So we played play dance all over the world, man.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy right there. And on your time on Travelers, there was never a time where they had set up a dance with Travelers and Stone Love to play again, or that never happened at that time, there.
1: Um we did play with Stone Love, if I remember correctly, after that, but by that time the beef had squashed, you know what I mean? Nobody was trying to put it behind them. It's like, yo, if the two of to fight against each other. Uh, we'll have this beef. It's not really helping anybody. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, I I do recall playing back with Stone Love still. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Little bit competitive, but not like no war thing or not like that. Nah. You know what I mean? By that time, the two sound owners had squashed it. All
0: right. And who would you say gave you the best run for your money when you were on Travelers? Which sound? With sound? Yeah. Every time you meet this song, it's like, oh, outside of Jaro, every time you meet this song, it's like, holy smokes, man.
1: You know, say this is going to sound egotistical, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody never really threatened me still. Mm-hmm. Other than in the clash world. Like, in the clash world, that different. Because mm-hmm. remember that Travellers isn't really a clash sound. Yes, we could clash. And yes, we did win many clashes. We lost two. As every sound does, but they're not really a clash sound, they're more that sound in the middle that can go either or either way, you know. What I mean, but who we were going up against, these are clash veterans trooping yeah. up about juggling the man, I'm right around, <laughs> right around the world, all the continents. Like, all I do is kill every day, <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah, I mean, I felt threatened or challenged in those environments, but in a juggling environment. Nah, none at all. Because not only do I know the dancehall side of it, I know the uptown side of it. And this is when like people like Delana and myself, we popularized hip-hop in Jamaica. We brought hip hop to Jamaica. You understand what I'm saying? So when Stoneham started playing hip-hop, for example, which was the first real big dancehall songs to play hip-hop, see, it's because Rory and Delano are par. You know what I mean? So he kind of knows what going on. Through the Lano, and then him started then play with Renaissance a couple of times, and Renaissance played some hip hop, and it bust the place, and I'm like, yo, the Stoneham's not play hip hop, but me grow up on hip hop, so me playing hip hop and a dancehall song playing hip hop at that time is two different things. but Jamaica is becoming primed for hip hop now. You understand what I'm saying? So not only could I play the dancehall as well as any other dancehall selector, I could also dip and go into hip hop.
0: You know what I mean? And that's when the remix thing did come. Got you. And were you actually doing remixes on Travelers, or this is after you left Travelers, you were doing them? No,
1: man. I've been doing remixes from Renaissance
0: days. No, but I mean, as in, okay, Renaissance, yeah, you're doing the remixes, but when you got to Travelers, were you doing remixes for Travelers also? Yeah, man, for sure, sure, sure. I, I can't play without
1: remixes. It's just, that's what I was known for. Like, that's what made me stand out from everybody else. That's what made me stand out on Travelers. It wasn't just the fact that I could play well. It's because now I'm playing these remixes with these huge dubs. See? And people are like, yo! You know what I'm saying? So, um,
0: yeah, definitely, man. Do you remember some of the remixes you actually made back then? For Travelers? The one in particular would be when I
1: combined uh, a Fuji's See, this was the fuji song, and Fuji's was huge at the time. ooh la 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 and I combined them with Bounty Killer. So it sounded like a combination. Fuji's and Bounty Killer before he ever did a song with them. Bear that in mind, right? Okay. And um Yeah, I think it was a travelers exclusive dub, Woman at we are something. You know what I mean? It was on the Mission Impossible rhythm or something. It was on Fearless Rhythm. I remember that dub. Very, very, very well. Because mm-hmm. one of the dances I played, right? I remember at this point in time, I'm not the studio man, so it's not like I know a lot of the artists them, they know of me, and I know of them, obviously. But it's not like me and them link. And I remember I played a dance and I played that particular song. And when I was walking through the crowd, Beanie Man stopped me. And I am say, Yo Lee, I remixed it. But and I'll never forget that. Cause at that point in time I didn't know Beanie Man that way, you know what I mean. I'm just try to make my name. I'm from him. Stop me. yeah, say, yo, that Bonte Killer remix there. But <laughs> right. I'm like,
0: you oh, know. Okay. Man,
1: really bad then. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I remember that one, man. But, yeah, Crazy. man. Crazy.
0: Crazy. All right. One last thing I want to ask you here about Travelers. When it came to even to, um, you said earlier that Trooper gave you a wicked killing on Travelers. Do you remember a time where Travelers killed back Jaro?
1: Not with me playing the song. Yeah, you know what I mean, I mean, travelers to my recollection. Yes. Has killed Jared, have also killed, filing some bodyguard, you know what I mean? And kill everybody. Is it me? But
0: not when I was playing the song still. So. Mm-hmm, not
1: there. All yeah. right. And how
0: long were you actually on travelers
1: for? Um, that would have been another two years, possibly three, I think. Mm-hmm. So we're coming up to like
0: 98, 99 now. Okay. And this is where it thing there. reason why you left travelers and moved on. Same
1: thing, man. It's like nothing to get into, but just to say, yo, I had to move on, man. I just that sort of thing, that, man. See, um, for enough reasons. You know what I
0: mean? I you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, now you did the travelers for two or three. Okay, first you did the Renaissance for two, then you came to travelers. Did the two or three? What was the move after travelers? Now, where did you end up going, or what did you end up doing?
1: This is a very Really technical and interesting part of the story now, right? Mm-hmm. So, after Travelers, I started playing as Masterly. But the key thing that I need to point out here is that Travelers made me meet Rush. Rush, who is my right hand, my business partner, my closest friend, me and him Bill Codred, right? The reason I met him is because he was a remix youth, see? And him just come from... He used to live in New York, come from New York, come back to Jamaica. Came to do, high school in Jamaica, went to college in New York, come back to Jamaica now. And him didn't know of me, obviously. See? Mm-hmm. And him was like, "Yo, I have some bad remix. I would have loved for Boss some of my remix in my Jamaica." See? So he went to go link Travelers mm-hmm. and give them his remixes to so say, "Yo, and I wouldn't be interested in playing this." <laughs> you know what I mean? And I remember the boss for the song called me, and I'm at my house. See? Never met Rush before him, see? Don't know him from nowhere, see? And the boss come me and him say, yo, I have two youth in front of me right now. He's Rush and an ex virgin who was working together at the time, see? Um, them have some remix on them, but still. See, me woulda want you to come listen to them. And I'm say, yo, I me mean, I know them two youth here, uh, maybe them coulda worked with our idea for our uptown song. That's how I met Rush, you know? You see me? So he's thinking, the boss for Travelers is thinking like, yo, Interview them two youth here, see? And see if them can work for our plan for this uptown. So, you see, man, I went up to the office. I met Rush. I met the other youth, see? Uh, we actually went back to my house. So, you know, just kind of like a demo thing. to them play and support. And, you know, I mean, this is before I got totally caught up into travelers. And I became their leading selector. So this is before that. All right. Okay, So this is early. This is early. This is long before Code Red. Right. You know what i mean this is in mm-hmm. the height of travelers days mm-hmm. you see me now so again going back to the kingston Six thing him live at kingston Six, and he must go in at the time he must finish in degree or whatever at UAE. you see me so when i'm coming back from me and stop and check me and say oh why well, i go and mean, lay me him all the reason so me and him turn bridging when i left travelers now see and i said all right good well don't know what i'm gonna do next but my name, my name? I go get my date. I'm <laughs> um, saying, I can't do it alone. My and name and is Virgin. You see, he had a sound at the time named Black Talent, which was popular amongst, you know, the high school people and the sweet 16 crowds, and I used to get like college dates and them thing there. But so he was already playing as that song, and my name was Virgin, and I was like, you know what? Forward. See, let me start play some date together. The first the dubs I caught. Actually, say Masterly and DJ Rush. They don't say Masterly alone. See? They don't say Code Red. Masterly and DJ
0: Rush became Code Red. Became? Okay, so you guys were two separate entities that built Code Red together.
1: Yeah, so what happened was, so I started playing dates. See? Them time, they're my young youth. You see me? So I'm basically the big man in the business. He's a young youth. You don't know, it's like you have to recognize the new generation of stars, you know? That's how you keep your thing going. And I knew this youth would be a star. He's a star now. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> I'm like, yo, him remix them, bad. Me and him get along. He's, he's the person I should pass the button to. It's the same way him recognize Lank, who is on Code Red now. And him mm-hmm. say, yo, him is the person I should pass the button to. And him pass the button to Lank. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, me and him start play Date now. And then, um... We're playing as with Lee and DJ Rush, see? And, um... I'm going to skip the part in how that became Code Red because I want to tell you what happened in between.
0: Okay. And then we'll get back to that part somewhere. Then we'll get in. back to that part. See? Okay. So I'm
1: playing this as Masterly. See? And Rush is there, obviously. See? But I have a studio now in Mona. See? From Kingston 6. See? So I'm going to set up my little studio now. See? And this is when the business, meaning the artist then, the whole artist fraternity was trying to move away from the public studios like Arrows, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. You see me? So here it is now. Lee, who them know can know all the artists them from travelers. You see me? I'm a private studio now. See? So we're talking about a two-year period. See? Let's say 1999 to 2001. See? Um, before Code Red. It went into Code Red, obviously, but um, yo, I had all the biggest artists from me every single day, man. Like you name it, I've them. Sizzler, Bojo, um beanie Bounty, sham everybody you can think of cabra spraga i used to come to me to buy as private and bear in mind that in this time see when we turned around to 2000 this is when alliance was bounty cartel Mavado, busy wayne marshall bling dog you understand what i and them they're on by me every single day
0: and it's your studio is where everybody's gathering at, and this time it's in uptown
1: this, this is now uptown. Everybody's trying to come out of that congregation of artists. There were two studios in Kingston 6, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the real, real, real legacy of what I want now. You had two studios two blocks from each other. You had Master Lee Studio and you had Don Carleon Studio. Yes. Don Corleone is obviously the mega producer from that time. And what would happen is the artists them know would come to my studio, write them song them, or do them do plate work, then leave from me, go up by Don record the 45 of them when they've done this or come back to me. It's always back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for like two years. You know what I mean? So that's what I really did after Travelers. I was playing as Masterly and DJ Rush, see? Um, mostly uptown events, see? And I had my studio, which was basically like the most popular studio in Jamaica at the time. Definitely in Kingston, man. You know what I mean? Working with these and-
0: artists in and out every single day. And you had built your studio to do remixes and dub plates. That was your real main intention when you started the studio.
1: Yeah. I mean, I needed a studio for myself. And I knew that one day I'd want to go into production. But I mean, really and truly, it's like I've already turned my back on the academic world. I'm not going back into that. <laughs> you know what I mean, and I've already traveled the world as a selector now. You know what I mean? So this is it for me. What do I do next? Until I figure out what to do sound wise. And at that point in time, this is one thing I should point out. I decided I was never going to work for another sound. So that kind of gives you an insight as to why I moved on without Mm -hmm. going into anything. But now I work for nobody again. I'm going to depend on that. You see me? So until I figure out that part, yo, build a studio, work with artists then. You know what I mean? And I built my studio, work with artists then. And that was like phenomenal. Like so many of the artists and more icons now. I watched them grow. Me and I'm a bridging from them start. I know Sasko from before me by my first song. You know what I mean? He calls me by my first name. I call him by his first name. See? Same
0: thing with Cartel. Same thing with Movado. You understand what I'm saying? So you've seen early Sasko, early Movado, early Cartel. Yeah, man.
1: For sure, 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 sure. Sure, 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 sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Because I I guess they were just trying to get their break in the business at this time when you have the studio and you're the master Lee, So they want to come connect with you. You're not looking for them.
1: It's not even that. It's because Killer don't connect with me, right? So me and Killer like now, Killer, in many ways, you know, is hugely responsible for my career in this business. You know what I mean? Because you have two icons in the industry especially at the time, which are Bounty Killer and Beanie Man. The first dub I ever got was from Beanie Man, right? So big props to Beanie for that. Um, I was closely associated with Shocking Vibes at the time and I got Beanie Man and Tantimension Devante and Dub. Those were the first lead dubs, see? Now, when it came around to Code Red now, the endorsement I got from Killer, like, yo, <laughs> this is ridiculous, man. You I know really what I mean? remember
0: Ridiculous. Those days. It's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. So, okay. so then you said coming to Code Red. So then now let's get back to how you actually built up Code Red now. How did you guys even come up with your name? And it was just you and Rush in the beginning?
1: All right. So me and Rush playing as a team now. See? And it basically, like, he was still playing as black Talon. You know what I mean? So I did a film friend, them, and then I play them smaller dances. But I know where me there, and I know I want to go to the big dance them, and this and that and where. So the dances that me and him were playing were a lot bigger than the dances that they were playing. So I said to him, yo, forward, man. i could just, yo, do this thing full time. Mm-hmm. And um, he's very much like me. So, you know, he said to me, like, literally, I, I can't work for you. <laughs> See, <laughs> like, that not gonna work. The same way you now work for them sound, that eh? But not gonna work for you. And I was like, yeah. then. Because you start something, then you see me, and that's how it came about, man. And I said to him that if, if we are gonna do this, it can't be me and you alone, though. I mean, it's been me and you alone playing, so how would that be a song? We need one more person, man. And I'm basically working off of the same formula as travelers, which was I'm building my dream team here. So, me, no say I'm the experienced man in the business, the elder, then so you don't tell the world on about the experience and about the link them. Man, I'll ask them good. Have the most popular studio right now. I'll ask them around me. See? Cool. See? Rush is a young youth, full of talent. Theme career is written. He just need to be a part of the right team. There was another youth named Super Hype who was playing a song named Essence. See? Who, by the way, I gave the name Super Hype. He wasn't called Super Hype at the time.
0: Super Hype, Super Hype, as in Dotty Wine Super Hype. Yes. See? Super Hype.
1: Went by a different name at the time. See? What um, was his original name? I don't even know if nah, I don't even <laughs> want to go into that. See, because I don't know if you would like me saying that right now, but anyway, okay, I changed it because I said, Yo, that name that's too easy for card. See, and you gonna in a sound and that when I found that super happy name. See, and that was the dream team. It was me as the established person in the business and the two newest, youngest talents, which was Rush, super hype. You know what I mean? And I call it right, because the Twitter my icons now. You know what I mean? So they were the two most talented dudes in the business at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's how Code started. And you mentioned, or you asked how we got the name. So now the three of us now, we're consolidating dates, see? So when I have a masterly date, I'm no longer playing it as masterly. Um, I'm not trying to play it alone. It's now me, Rush, and Super Hype got to that date. When Rush have a date, see? The three of us got to that date. When Super Hype have a date, the three of us got to that date, see? Consolidating everything because them have the young marketing, you know. them have the sweet 16s, them have the colleges, I have the big dance there. So between the three of us, we we'll have everything. See? Um, and we're going to country one day to play a dance, see? And we're trying to think of a name, trying to think of a name, trying to think of a name, holy per name they there, not in no a stick. And then super hide says no see, you know, say the last time the trio will link up and play an event, see. The of where I wear red, waiting for Code Red, and that's how we got the name Code Red. Like people don't even know these things, man. Super hype. I gave super hype the name super hype, and super <laughs> hype gave the name Code Red. <laughs> and that's that's the history of where this I come from. You know what I
0: mean? easy. And what year did Code Red officially start then?
1: Two thousand and one, man. That oh, was our anthem. Sasco, two thousand and one. Code Red appeared to the world. Now we're boss. Yeah, is it me? That was one of our anthem dubs, man.
0: Got you. Big, big. Okay, so then now you have Rush, which is now ZJ Rush or Y Rush. Right. Super Hype and Masterly. What was the game plan? What was it that you guys wanted to do with this song here, Code Red? What did you guys plan to do?
1: We just wanted to be the newest, biggest thing. And it's like we were more thinking Uptown originally still. Who steered the sound? into the streets was actually Rush, see? Not me. Mm-hmm. See, and I saw hear that story too. A lot of the, the majority of the growth of Code Red, other than that initial boss, which was all of us, see? Like Rush had a different vision and we're getting a lot of fight and competition uptown. Just mm-hmm. people that fight against me and thing, personal and whatever, whatever. And Rush was a person that said, yo, Okoga Garrison, forget about this, see? And at the time, we had brought in another selector who is legendary, which is Blade. Bam. Bam. Yeah. So the sound bust real, real, real quick because we're talking about three people one who have legacy, and two who are the two most popular youths in the business at the time. And I have the most popular studio. So when you talk about dub, no matter how dub like we see, plus a two remix man upon the sound so see, nobody have dub like we nobody have remix like we you understand? Mm-hmm. alright cool and um we started obviously getting double dates on them thing them now see now from travelers now them time there I met a youth named Winji Trooper see and I can give you his first first name Manate de Sou Pipe see <laughs> I can give you his first name see the youth named Whingy Trooper why I came to bad like Trooper see Then we used to play a song from Standpipe, and then you don't know the the nucleus of travelers is from Stan you mm-hmm. See? Kings and Six same way. See? Um and yeah, he was like the natural addition to the song. Because the song now was becoming more hardcore. You know what I mean? But I had the double date see, I'd actually played a date with him and taken him to Canada with me when I was playing dates as Master Lee. See? Okay. so the first the first date I played in Canada, right, as Master Lee was me and
0: Blade. But he was as Whingy Trooper that time there.
1: Yes. I, didn't, I gave him the name Blade, too, by the way. I didn't rename him mm-hmm. until quarter Red Days, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little before quarter Red Days. You know, I was like, yo, you're sharp like a razor. You name Blade. And him say, yo, you know what's my life? I named that. <laughs> and he just took it on, man. So now you have a team now of four people, me, Rush, Supai, Blade. And then we split up on the dates together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know what I mean? Um, after a certain amount of time, Super hype Kinda went his own way, saying, so "I guess in the one you don't know, explore theme thing on the own, which is fine. All of us are still good, good, good friends up to this day. So it's all good, man. You know what I mean?" Um, and Russian Blade became the team on the song. Because at this point in time, I had backed off. Mm-hmm. And become that weepo role. I'm now the sound, the man behind the song Put it away there. You know what I mean? I'm taking the bookings, I'm dealing with the management side of it, this et et mm-hmm. so and that, etc. etc. So Russian Blade, I played the dance and now, see. And at this point in time, we'd already switched and come out to Uptown. because say, yo, my one car the song. I remember when him telling me, say, Yo, Lee, you know, it's not are the, the song of the streets, not the garrison. I'm like, you sure? <laughs> see? I've been there and I've done that mm-hmm. with travelers. And I'm like, you sure? A good, good uptown sound. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, man, the right thing for the gonna get big. We'll never get big like Traveler's Stone, Love Bodyguard, any of them sound there. See? <laughs> Unless we take it to the streets. See? And then say, yeah, obviously, we can do it. See? And Blade is from the streets. When him and Blade link up and start shell dancing, like, like, remind me of me and Juxin. Like, yeah. man, flatten everything. Like, squingey and Mark from the side. I say, everything flattened. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah. To the point where I'm so, yeah, we need some bigger dance. See, <laughs> I was like, yeah. And so yeah, we need fully loaded.
0: Okay. So then now what was the first, do you remember the first year fully loaded that you guys actually played on?
1: I can't tell you it mm-hmm. year for year. Right. Okay. I can't tell you the exact year. Same, but I can tell you the, the details about what happened. That's what I want to know that. Correct. Right. All right, so the first time I went to fully loaded now, right? Mm-hmm. Um they put us in the small sound segment because I'm fully loaded, which you don't know is a juggling dance, but it's kind of also like a clash dance, and it's very, very, very competitive. All the sound got them cut to each other, and it's a huge stage with 10,000 people. Ridiculous. See, <laughs> ridiculous, see? And um, yeah, when Rush said, Yo, more fully loaded, we all gotta take it down. And said, all right, good going to Sharon. I'm gonna say, yeah, we want fully loaded. She's like, You sure? Yes, Sharon. We want fully loaded. See? All right. Put me in a small sound segment. See? Don't know, not a, a big sound in that league or, or that understanding. Yet. Put it away there. You know what I mean? And um we're gonna play the small sound segment and flatten it, which allowed us to move up to the big sound second, the second year.
0: Okay. This is what I want to ask you. If it was thing there, if you could even remember this, do you remember how you guys even prepared for the first year Fully Loaded? What was the game plan going in as Code Red, where we're going to actually present to the world, say, hey, we're here now. What was that plan to go into Fully Loaded?
1: In all honesty, <clears throat> we didn't really have a good understanding of the dance, or how to play the dance in that first year. Like, we went there, yeah, we'll build some remix and, thing and we'll cut some dub, but you don't really understand how to play an event like Fully Loaded until you go to an event like Fully Loaded. And I can tell you what changed after that first year. What we learned after that first year, and then that's how we became the Fully Loaded zone after that, and one Fully Loaded year after year after year for like three, four years straight.
0: And I, I, can got, tell you, I got too. time. I got time. Let's talk.
1: We went to that Fully Loaded, and we juggled. And the one and two dubbed them where we would consider to be more hardcore than. See, um, and challenge some other people. See, never really got the foul that we wanted it to, man. Uh, we didn't really have the back at the time either. This is fully loaded. Understand that as much as I'm masterly and all the artists them around me, they're backing the people they expect to win fully loaded. they ain't backing us, no. Like, we as artists, we're not giving you our biggest song, them because we want Mataron to play them, you know. what I mean, we don't want you to play them and then them can't play back in our night. We're not dependent on that, mm-hmm. you know. what I mean, so. We really have no holy patron still. But what we looked at and learned and figured out was that the way to win a clash like this or an event that's as challenging as this is to not blatantly attack other sounds, is to poke fun at them, kill them, make the people them enjoy themselves. If you have a right over a dub, make the people them laugh after the selector. Don't just say, yo, me, I got kill you, me, i a better sound than you. Nobody in the business with that. If Based on the self for them sound, and them hear that, they're no, they're no business. Based on the same sound, sound, you can't tell me that. Mm-hmm. But if you you shoot off a selector now, and as much as that selector is your selector, the actual dub is funny. Yeah. You're going to want to laugh. <laughs> you might try to hold it and say, yo, General Star, you know what say, I'm saying, I'm a selector, you know, but yo, that dub is funny, you, know? <laughs> you get <what> I'm saying? <laughs> And, and, and that's how we, we learned. We learned that the key was to be entertaining, man. You see me? And then Blade is a natural on stage. Like, I've never seen anybody handle a stage like Blade. You know what I mean? Like, when you talk about all the greats, including Mataran and Firelinks, saying Blade is right up there with them. I mean, at one point in time, Mataran would introduce him at Fully Loaded. Yo, me I call on my son,
0: Blade. Come
1: deal with fully loaded
0: you know what I mean it was that I, good. Remember. I remember okay so let's go into the second time now so first time you guys went you shelled down the place you did good now so, but you learned that hey this is the style we have to play to actually really win them over what was the game plan for the second year now going into um, fully loaded the game plan for the second one was to deal with the people then See, stop shoot
1: off of the other sound then and just make sure you're entertaining people and you're connecting with the masses. That's what you need for though. See? Again, we got more strength this time in terms of dub place, but we still never get full strength. And we end up building a whole heap remix and fit up something and this and that, and we shell it. Yeah. So by the time the third year came around, now we got the back of this.
0: Okay, by year number three. And do you remember who was on this fully loaded here, the year number three one that you guys were on? <laughs>
1: Rush, have to tell you all of that man. I, I can hook up an interview with you and Rush, man. For
0: sure. <laughs> one thousand percent, we have Rush.
1: He knows all of that because this is like the highlight of his career. Remember, at this point in time, you don't travel to work. This is like my my second boss in the business. You know what I mean? So I'm doing it all over again. But this is like his prime time now. This is the first time he might rise to the occasion as one of the body selectors in the business. So he remembers every detail, the year, what time we play, what time we're done play. See who come in the studio. What time? How long them take for voice? See everything. He remembers everything. You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
0: So this is your you, by year by the third time around is when you guys became that fully loaded type of song there. Yeah, man. and and you guys were actually doing good. Do you remember who it came down to in that years fully loaded? Was it probably like Mataran Links or whoever else that was in that segment there? Because you guys were no longer in the small song segment. You guys were now in the bigger song segment.
1: I can tell you. I can't tell you who was in that particular year, but I can tell you the the most memorable parts of each event. Okay. In terms of who we went up against and mm-hmm. who we turned over in fully loaded. Right. Mm-hmm. One was Wyclef. So there was one year when Wyclef was a big stamp, and then money. I come play. Like, Teddy Riley panned up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Kenny, like,
0: Kenny was, Rogers, Whitney Houston, ridiculous. and all of those stuff there.
1: Ridiculous! Ridiculous! See. And I think he came two years. He came once and Matar turned him over. And the second year we rush him. Yeah. We all use him on tune, kill him. See? Um, we use please call nine one one. See <laughs> 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 I kill him flat. You know what I mean? So there were three really, really what's the word I'm looking for? Direct clashes that went on for us at fully loaded. One was him. See. One was Trooper. Trooper got caught in one of them, too. Tro- you guys said Clash Trooper on fully loaded? Nah, not clashing directly, you know, but he played before us and we rushed him. Like, we rush him before him even played. Yeah. Something like that. But remember, you know, in a way, you know, me I try use my son Forget about back them money to, you know. Big man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yo, what do you feel like, yo? That was my nightmare saying that so see, you ain't see yo, what I what go for Trooper? We're that. they're that. Well, go for him. Plus, him is a big name in the business. If if you chop a man like that now, you gotta get straight. So we went for the big heads. When the, the smaller stones were trying to clash each other, we didn't depend that. We are shoot off a Fire Links, we are shoot off a Mataron. we are shoot off a for, um Ricky Trooper, we are shoot off for um Wycliffe. You understand I am saying? because we are trying to fool for self now. Yeah, we're as bad as that man and, like straight mm-hmm.
0: you know what I mean so yeah one, one other one that I remember this is probably one of the bigger ones was the Code Red versus Fire links in Fully Loaded I think Matron was the host
1: that was, that. that was probably the biggest one still see and um we're almost never clashing so we prepared for it enough fully prepared for it enough we don't decide say yo by that time we're the Fully Loaded so See, so we're taking Fully Loaded every single year, see? We're the reigning champions. We're being booked on events, and they put it on the flyer quarter at the Fully Loaded Zone. Now, we're getting dub plates, and we ain't the one that's seeing the Fully Loaded Zone. That's in the intro. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we don't make a name now, and now we're on a worldwide, international scale as a big song. Mm-hmm. see? So everybody coming to Fully Loaded is going in for us now, you see me? Including Firelinks. see? And this is when filings is now on his own. He's doing filings. You see me. So him, obviously, I look for create or maintain fame status in the business too, man. And um, the dance is almost done. Saying so, you know, I think police did come up, police it bought for come something did go on, and the dance had bought for done. And we never play it, and links never play it. Saying I think matter and done play it, and I think it was a host too, man. You see me. And um, we vex we see yeah, when I get to play, we're well prepared for taking money you now. See, and I said to Rush, Man, I you know, we are priests still in you know, that dog, but I know what Mataram would do in this situation. And I'm so what well, I'm gonna see how Mataram would just call tune for tune immediately. I say, Yeah, I'm gonna go finish it that way. Come, links, we to finish it that way. I'm gonna go tune for tune and entertain the people then mm-hmm. See, and Rush said, Ready, boom. And him go up and say, at the same time, Blade called up, back. Blade talked to Mataran. He said, yo, we all got tune for tune with links. Mataran set up the whole thing. Yo, so we finished the dance, tune for tune. Um, Lynx quarter And Fire doesn't know how well prepared we are. You understand what I'm saying? Like, he didn't know that we were gunning for him like that. Got you. You get what I'm saying? Because his focus is Mataran and them on because he's from that generation. He's thinking he's going to be worn his icons. The icons like him. Him not pre we Him knows, not say, yeah, we're the full of the but not pre-Wii. Like, yeah. yeah, i got to that answer. I'm going rush him. Rush him, wicked. Almost every double played right over. I killed him. You see me? And then Blade being the stage man he is, Blade deal with him, wicked man. like All the little antics where he would normally do and get a forward. See? Blade twist him up into that. Every little thing when I'm doing, Blade have some counteraction to him. So you see what you do a while ago? You do that because X, Y, Z, Ray, Ray, T, T, and make the whole crowd laugh after mm-hmm.
0: One of the big moments in there was when Blade had brought out the girl. And yep. he would, I think, dance with the girl or something. Then she left. And then Firelinks went back and got the same girl and said, yo, tell the people that you love Firelinks. And he kept coaching her, coaching her, coaching her. And then she said, I love Fire Links, but I love Blade 2. It ran off the stage right there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. On. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He came on. I remember the dance, man. He came on to the dance <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: like a cowboy. See, yes. he had like two holsters. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Blade twisting up wicked. <laughs> oh, yeah, because
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think his holster dropped off or something yeah, and he picked it up yeah. and said look there's no no gun in here or anything yeah yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big, yeah big 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 one and that was down in the morning because it was daylight everybody was out there and you could see it was actually i think Mataron asked if um coder had won or if lynx won and then lynx didn't really want to he wanted to on his own question he said no nah, man i'm asking and the crowd said yo code red
1: yep yep that's exactly what happened man down to the point where after them ask it like three times links take the mic and say yeah what kind of bias thing i go going on ray 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 and i mean, you win the dance and yeah that's all i'm saying so when we're driving out and we're still here links are costing. see <laughs> we we're, we're drive out we're literally driving out of the venue and link's still there that cuts see <laughs> crazy. Him, oh win the dance and whatever whatever we know we don't win so it's all good man
0: All right. And what did that actually do for you guys' career as being, you guys are the fully loaded song because at Fully Loaded, there was the Fully Loaded song and there was Mr. Fully Loaded. So it was Code Red and Tony Maturon. What did that do for you guys' career from there now?
1: That just exploded it to a whole new level. That's what really propelled us into being a Clash song. Because up until that time, we're seen as a juggling song that could be aggressive. See yeah, man, they can defend themselves. Cool. But we're still a juggling song. Hardcore juggling song still, but we're still a juggling song. Mm-hmm. When we are uh, play them dub, they were right over and them way there, and I get artists for call up my name and intricate with the, the details of the dub and this and that. People, I'm saying, yo, them, man, are different. That's when we started being taken on seriously as a class sounder, mm-hmm. which is why fast forward to this day, you know, we were supposed to be in the last world clash in UK representing Jamaica. What? And COVID stopped it. See? Like the amount of war where Code Red fight no. you know what I mean? With the new selected and the selected and more rush boss the song. I him bringing Chris Diamond and say, yo, that used to be the next baddest MC. I him bringing DJ Lang, Code Lang and say, yo, money can
0: take it to the business and I group. I think I've seen. Was Diamond around the sound when you guys clashed links? Yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. But at the time, Blade was a star upon the song. Mm-hmm. You see me? So Diamond just dead, I know. And bear in mind, you know, this is like the, the, the changing of the guard. So when we created Code Red, Rush was a young youth. See? When Rush brought in Diamond, and Lank, they were young youths. Like Diamond was maybe like 19. Young, young, young youth. You know what I mean? But again, he recognized the talent and him say, Yo, them man You see me? And um, yeah, so he was there for sure, but Blade was the man. You know what I mean? He just dead as a, a part of the team and look and I watch and I see what I go on. He him I himself in bad to you know, like him know say yeah, me can MC that dance and shell it to you know, but.
0: Time <laughs> you know I, I mean? my, my time will come eventually. Okay, yeah. so you guys said you guys got recognized. you remember what was some of your earlier clashes outside of Fully Loaded? Now said, okay, now we're going into a hardcore, a more hardcore arena.
1: Nah, I'm gonna leave those questions for when they interview Rush. Yeah, that's them time there. You see, my Blade, and the same ice was on a plane every single week with Travelers. Mm-hmm. He must know on a plane every single week with Blade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? And people feel like him live a foreign because I'm there for like one day, two days at a time. You know what I mean?
0: And um, yeah, better him tell them That I mean, You know what I mean? Yeah, for thing. sure. Because, okay, because I know you were definitely, you weren't really doing playing sound too much. You would come, you'd come support and stuff, but you were more management, cutting dubs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. get more into your actually, your engineering and your studio time okay? Because mm-hmm. you were one of the first people I remember actually mentioning you mentioned Sean Paul to me, alright? But this time it wasn't just Sean Paul, it was Dutty Cup crew that had up Sean Paul Nuga Man, Kid Corrupt Chicken, Danigan and right. I think that was the whole crew there. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And you named Master uh, Kid too? yes. Chicken, and Chicken, yes. chicken
1: yeah, um yeah, I mean, coming from Uptown, you had a certain... When we emerged as selectors from Uptown, you had a certain star artists who were emerging from Uptown too. You know what I mean? You already had some that had come out of the gate, like Daniel. You know what I mean? But the next generation after that was the Corrupt and the Sean Paul and et cetera,
0: et cetera You know what I mean? And that was earlier on. So were you guys actually so... Were you guys cutting songs, or did you get into production at this time here, or you were still just doing dubs?
1: At this point in time, I'm still doing dubs. I haven't moved into production yet, man. I wanted to say again, going back to Masterly and DJ Rush days, one of the first dubs that I cut, when I went on my own, I decided, like, yo, whatever happens, I do this thing for myself now. See? Mm -hmm. I buy Sean. You understand? So, his original catalog, like, you know, um baby girl and Buster the black Buckel. I have all them things that found up. You know Gosh. what I mean? Mm-hmm. You see me as masterly and DJ Rush. You see me? Yeah. I voice Corrupt, I was chicken, I voice Donegan. You see me? All of them just link up one day and just you are know, giving them catalog, man. You know what I mean?
0: Wow, that's crazy there. And even with like a cartel and a movado what was it like working with them when they were just coming into business? A young cartel, a young Movado. A young busy signal
1: um that's a really interesting question still i mean the level of talent that i saw in in these guys man like yo like it was just like wow factor man like um busy vado marshall cartel i mean cartel's lyrical content and his ability to structure songs it's just, like, ridiculous, especially his first of the songs. Like the first of the songs that didn't boss were so complex yeah. that it was like I was listening to an iconic rapper, see, who spoke in metaphors and parables. I'm like, yo, <laughs> this youth is like... He was so far advanced that Jamaica wasn't even ready for him. He he bossed when he simplified what he was doing, see? And he kind of came up with a formula. All right, I can get a little bit more witty and complex in the verse them, but my need to keep the chorus
0: them simple to grab the people. Then. They bring you into the song, and then yep. once I have you in, yep. we yep. can do yep. it.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And that's when I'm really getting break. You know what I mean? Um yep. and then my father, I don't know. I mean, his energy as a singer. Like I've always said this, and any engineer who's worked with any level of artist, see, and especially that level of artist, will tell you you don't know the ability of an artist until you're voicing. See, like I'm telling you, see, that's why I knew that Sasco was gonna be great. See, because let me tell you, you have certain big voice DJs in the business. See, all right, cool. We know them already. See, all right, Killer is one of them. You know that, right? All right, cool. I did a dub session one time for some Japanese with Killer and Bojo in combination. Right. And when Bojo start spitting her, I'm like, "Yo, turn down the levels!" Like, "Yo, like, what? Oh, what is man?" Like, "Yo," and he's crystal clear and in key, mm-hmm. crystal clear and in key. And I'm like, "Yo, ridiculous!" Says so there's our next one, Sasco, mm-hmm. was one of the people that impressed me like that too. He was pairing with a youth name Zumje at the time, see, um, and Zumje. They bring him to the studio and say, Yo, listen to you, Telly. Saying, in bad, name Assassin. Saying, and I remember I was voicing some Zoom J dubs, my virgin auntie. Saying, Big up Zoom J, by the way. Um, and when he gave Assassin the mic, everything, upon the and board peaks. The man's voice was like huge. I'm like, Yo, if them money are boss, like, Yo, I'm gone. I'm gone. You know what I mean? And then he was in the stable of icon Sprague Benz. So it was a natural thing for him to be groomed and learn the right things. And you know what I mean? So yeah, man, but you don't know the, the ability of an artist until he watched them.
0: See? And that's so crazy here. Uh, again, you're seeing you're seeing the veterans at this time, which is the bounty beanie bojo, and you're seeing a whole new crop of artists just coming in that's hungry and they're just ready to go.
1: Yep, 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 yep. Ready, 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 ready. Even too ready. It's ready. Like yo. That fit them time. No, the on them one mm-hmm. and break.
0: Yeah. And even seeing alliance. Did you see alliance form or basically they formed and then they came to the studio type of thing?
1: Um, that's another good question, man. Mm-hmm. The alliance was smaller when me and them start link. See? Um. Yeah, it, it wasn't so many people. Bling Dog hadn't become a part of it yet. um I don't know if Mavado was a part of it yet. I think Cartel was. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's really hard to understand because Killer has brought so many people into the business. So when him come check me, you know, it's not like it's never him one. It's him and like five artists and with him kind of have on them wing. Mm-hmm. So I don't even remember, you know, which one of those are, you know fall under that banner or whatever whatever you know i
0: mean that's so wild because again you're coming into this this was the early 2000s. this is 2001 and all of these stuff here so then now there was also a different type of artists there was the lexus the war 21s the um there was so much of them at this time and it's like you guys are the leader of the new school and even sounds this is when black chinese just popping out and I know you yep. and Black Chinese had a crazy relationship too. How did you and dupes from Black Chinese link up? Um
1: no dupes a long time you know, Um, long, long, long time from travelers' days, really and truly. Because you probably know dupes from Black Chinese, but the same way me as an uptown, you used to play Travelers, he used mm-hmm. to play hardcore songs before Black Chinese before he built Black Chinese. He used to play mm-hmm. and Dark.
0: I'm lying. That's where I met it from. I met Dope's yeah. in '99 playing, playing on Poisoner. That's where I did meet Dope's. Right. One time he was playing Poisoner, and next time I seen him again, it was his big black shiny thing.
1: Right, right. So I knew him from them time. I knew him from Travelers Days. It's like I knew Khaled from Travelers Days. music used to come to dance them. You know what I mean? Um, I are gonna do some par, like it's a sound link between all of us as selectors. You know what I mean? Cause we're all heavily and deep into the culture. And we were the ones traveling always in Miami all the time. You know what I mean? So when Dopes created Black China, now, which I think was before Code Red. See? Not long before Code Red, but definitely before Code Red. Probably like a year to
0: 18 months type of thing. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. His claim to fame was being the remix, man. You know what I mean? Like when Khalid would play at Fully Loaded, the remixes that he played and shelled Fully Loaded was done by Dubs, yes. yes. You get what I'm saying? Yes. But nobody knew Dubs. They knew Khaled, and Khaled is a crazy stage performer, like 100. So he would just dismantle, fully loaded with them remixes in. Mm-hmm. So um, what kind of knew Dubs to remix man, and we all kind of knew each other because of the remixing. So the knew of me, I ended up working for Renaissance. We knew of Dubs because he is an ex remix man. You understand what I'm saying? I met Rush because of his remixes. Is our whole linkage just because we're kind of all in the same field within the music. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that's how the, the relationship between yo, me and Doops just developed. Or we and Black Chinese because we're kind of on the same thing, man. And in a way, we're kind of competitive too. We're always trying to put out a CD that's better than the Black Chinese CD. And the Black Chinese CD is trying to make sure that it's, it's better than anything we put out. And you know what I mean? But it's mm-hmm. all bridgingship. You know what I mean?
0: For sure, for Each sure. Other, that when did production now come into your life? Now, when did you decide, okay, we're doing dubs, I'm around all these artists, that's cool. When did you decide to actually start putting out songs with these guys here? Now? And who was the first person you decided to produce with?
1: That wasn't until a lot later, you know. It's like, this is like my evolution as a person now. See? So I'd done the song thing in the 90s working for people, very successful at it, travel the world, cool, got a lot of notoriety out of it, great, built Code Red, that bus, travel the world again. That took me to the places that I hadn't been to before. I hadn't been to Japan on travelers, I hadn't been to Africa, but I did on Code Red. On Code yeah, red. red? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been to Africa, Russia's been to Africa, Lanka's been to Africa, Lank just come back from Dubai right before um, COVID Lake. You understand? Russia has now surpassed me in terms of traveling. I finished in my career as a selector four passports. See? Russia has now been to more places I've ever seen. You understand what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. I I, I did two tours of duty as a selector. It was time to move on to something else. You know what I mean? And that's when I started thinking about production, man. And um, I didn't even stay in production that long, to be honest. Saying. um i put out a couple rhythms my mm-hmm. first rhythm was a rhythm called red bull and i got the love of the business obviously man so i had win wonder on tired assassin um so many people man um bling dog davil um, tok so many people you see me? Because me name woman name, and then I'm around these people every day, and then I'm a cool youth. So everybody gets along with me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, that's the kind of vibe, you get me? So um, it's more like my voice for them bridging, you know what I mean? As well as I'm highly established in the business.
0: Okay, so your first production was um, a rhythm named Red Bull. What was your next production that you actually did, and did it really connect?
1: Are you talking about the Red Bull rhythm, or are you talking about the rhythm after? The rhythm after. The rhythm after. Um. No, actually, let me rewind that. So let's just start back from oh, where it is. Okay. From where it actually started. The first rhythm I put out was a rhythm called Fifth Avenue Rhythm. See? And at that point in time, I was working with a youth named Piranha. Like Me and him had a label together. See? And um, he used to be with Shocking Vibes. You see me? And um we we'll put out the first rhythm, Fifth Avenue. See? Um again, another all-star lineup, Sisla, everybody where you can think about because he has his connections. I have my connections. But after that now, seeing I did my own rhythm, which was Red Bull, and I voiced my own friend them and my own artist them. See? Cool. Um after that now, that's pretty much when I stopped doing. Because this was my label. It was called Red Dragon Music. I decided that everything I was going to do was going to be themed red. So Code Red was one. Um, you don't know. The label was going to be called Red Dragon Music. Um, Rush isn't even thinking about production at this time. You know, He's now traveling the world as a star selector. So he, that's not where his mind is. I've come into that now. You see me? So I'm deciding that I'm going to be the producer on this and that. Time. You see me? Um, I did a single with T.O.K., um, which actually made their album. It's a song called Bad. It's on the TOK's album. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did a couple singles, and then we actually officially started Code Red Records after that, right? And um, that's Code Red Records now. This is me and Rush now producing as a team, Mm -hmm. see? We put out two rhythms and a couple singles, see? The rhythms were um, a rhythm named Enemy Lines, ridiculously all-star lineup, right? (laughs) (laughs) Two Cartel. Scene. <laughs> um, like, I, I pulled I pulled out all the stops. I called every single artist that I know because mm-hmm. now this is a Code Red production. This is not me producing. This is now the brand Code Red that is going into this. So it's not me doing my thing. This has to be huge. You know what I mean? But Two Cartel, cabra, um Sizzler, um, Killer, um you yeah, know the list just goes on and on and on man rdx tok um every big name in the business at the time we had on that rhythm. see um every single one of them and then we put out a continuation to that rhythm the first rhythm was called that said enemy lines we put out one called friendly fire because a set of artists came after i yeah. said "Yo," he said i read him there crazy it so we kind of just readjusted some things and it played some new phrases. So it sounded similar, but it was kind of different. But it was a remake of the original rhythm or a continuation of it. And we put out Thing There, Man, um, Friendly Fire, with maybe like an additional five or six songs. Um, after that, we put out the song that established me as a producer and that made me actually you know, known as a producer, which was no cream to my face, bounty killer, right? Which came out on Code Red Records labels produced by me and Y Rush. You see me? Me like that You see me? Wow. I, wow. Wow. Big. Yeah, and that's the reason why I say that Killer has done so much in my career. Like after that song, boss, my link him. I literally just link him. And I think it was BBM at the time. I could have been WhatsApp, I don't remember. But I link him and I was like, yo, respect in a general because. Are you a market met Code red Boss? And is you come back? Come boss code Red Records. You understand I said so yo
0: killer, different level of respect for killer. You know I that, That's crazy there. And especially yeah. somebody like him, because I know when it goes from voice and dub plates to production, you're talking about two completely different things here. Somebody yeah. like Bounty now, how was he actually as an artist to now voice in a song. What was that process like? Well, I did it a lot of times before
1: because remember, you know, like my studio mm-hmm. in that time is like his studio. It's like his personal studio. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So a lot of the work he's doing for other people, he's doing at my studio. I mean, I record them. You know what I mean? And then we send them the vocals and this and that. So I had a lot of experience working with Killer. still. Um, that song, he didn't even voice it by me. I sent him the rhythm seen. I gave Rush to him, and I think Rush sent it to him with Blade. Blade got link him, and him did voice it and sent us about the vocals. You know what I mean? And um, we put out the song, and it shot. We actually even rearranged the song. The song wasn't voice like us. See? No, it was slightly different. But because we are selector, I will not forget forward and dance, especially with a quote unquote. Undercover clutch song because it wasn't really a clutch song, still, but it's still a true word, still. You know what I mean? All those years of Warren Sounds, we know what to do with the song, so we know what put up front and what to come further down at this and
0: that. And we we'll rearrange the song, and put it out. You know what I mean? I just realized something that song was for Cartel, yeah, 100%. Okay, so then where did that leave you guys with the whole, or Cartel had moved on already? He wasn't really around you at that time there. Or was he more over a done Carlion at Don this time here now? The thing with that is now is that
1: I'm a very neutral person, you know, see? For sure. And I'm a very loyal person, but I'm very neutral. In other words, when I have two artists now, where the two of them have whatever rivalry, but me and the two of them are virgin, don't ask me to pick side, but now I do that. Because my link with these artists goes beyond a DJ or sound owner and an artist. Is me and a man of my brethren. You know what I mean? Like I've gone through some things with artists that, yo, like I've gone through personal loss, like you know my mom gets sick or something like that, and some of these artists are the ones that come check me and counsel me. You know what I mean? And sit on with me and reason and say, yo. You know what? Don't watch that man because these things happen, man. Rare. And you know what I mean? Like, me and the man have a personal relationship. So, I'm not excited. So, even when the alliance split in know, see, what actually happened was I'm still working for Cartellina. Just that now, the man would call me and say, Yo. So, one man called me, Yo. Anybody around
0: there? (laughs) (laughs) You know what that means already.
1: Anybody around there? God. Some work, man, for doing a leap, but you're done knowing seeing no matter you know. so around there. I was like, No, I'm saying, all right, so just you know, so I might idea this. I said, oh, Yeah, man, you're good, man. Then another day would come, Yo, Lee, anybody around there? I was like, No, I'm saying, all right, I might do this, you know what I mean. And just that sort of thing there, so they kind of all avoided each other, but you know, I was still good with everybody, you know what I mean. Um. Just everybody, good with Mavado, good with Busy, good with all of them, you know what I mean,
0: individually, so, yeah. Crazy. Okay, so then you have the big song, it comes out at Bus, that's towards the Bounty, towards Cartel. Okay, that's cool. What was the next step for Quartered Records right after this then? Because you guys have this hit on your hand now, so where's the next move?
1: That's where things got strange, man, because throughout this time, right, remember I you know that... When I left Travelers and went on my own, see, and me and Rush start Link now, see, and we we'll start DJing together as Master and Rush and Marble Studio, and the studio are gone. On. One of the things we did at the time when we built Code Red, because we needed to have marketing material out there, see, we brought in CD equipment so that we could do a mixtape them, see. Put them on CD and give them out the a road. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and then it's like a natural thing. I am really a businessman in music and not a musician in the business. So I um I'm always thinking from the business side of things, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just like coming up in the game, I had to find people who could replace me so that I could fall back to the business side of the music. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we started a company called Disc to Disc, which yep. CD duplication company biggest one in Jamaica right now, you know what I mean? And me and Rush started that. A lot of people don't know this, you know, saying that almost everything you see us do individually, both of us either started it or we're still in it together, right? (laughs) (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? So this to this gives me and him started, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And um, little after that big song with Code Red Records, Seeing I'm trying to juggle now being the sound owner and taking the bookings and the this and the that and blah, the management of the sound, as well as um, holding up this to disc, which was now becoming a corporate entity. Seeing, so now I'm working for the biggest companies in Jamaica. I'm working for core Digicel, um, Cable and Wireless. I'm just working all the banks, Bank, NCB. I'm working for everybody. You know what I mean? Um, Doing different promotional items for them. You know what I mean? Like when they're having like um, a staff retreat or a conference, they would want to put whatever presentation they have on CD and make sure everybody leave with it so they can study it when they go home. So I started working for all these companies, man. And I I couldn't balance the two. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, Bear in mind, I was on radio at the time. A lot of people don't know this either.
0: So hold that, hold that. You're managing the sound. Yeah, You're producing, yeah. you have your business this to this, plus yeah. you're a DJ on the radio.
1: Yeah, I had a Saturday night show on a station called Hot 102
0: FM, right?
1: Yes. This is before Rush went to zip, right? Um, so I'm juggling all these things now, seeing, And I just had to make a decision, man. It's a Jag works thing, like, when did I give you the blessing, you know? Either you're going to turn it back on it like a fool. Are mm-hmm. you going to say, you know what? Give thanks. See? And at this point in time, Rush wasn't down in the business No, <laughs> You know what I mean? So I didn't need to be the head of Code Red anymore or nothing like that. You know what I mean? At that point in time, we'd already brought in, or he had already brought in, a DJ Lank, a Code Lank, and a, and a Chris Diamond. You understand what I'm saying? So we had a team that could sustain the business without me. Never have nothing to do with me again. I didn't need to be there. So I came to that crossroads, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to pursue this, man. You see me? Because I, I can't make this opportunity pass me. You know what I mean? And there's no way I can be in the studio until 5 o'clock in the morning um, working on production or whatever it is. You see me? And then at 7.30 in the morning, a representative from one of these corporate you know, entities are calling me because they're on the way to work and they have to report to their boss how far I am with their job. You know what I mean? And that's what was happening. I was up to 5 o'clock in the morning and I'm being woken up at 8 o'clock by somebody on the way to work. Some brand manager saying, Yo, so, you know, um, how we stay with this and that and Rarey, whatever, whatever. I couldn't do it, man. So at that point in time, I split and I said, Yo, you are Rush. You deal with the song. See? Deal with everything. See, and you're done I play the song. You're done boss bust the sound. Um, manage it. Um, I'll still help you with all of them. You know what I mean? I'm going to prepare for the big dance because a lot of the songs that we rewrote. But those clashes it's me and him rewrite them so i still help you with the preparation no problem see but in terms of the management of the sound you deal with that you tell the book is everything you know what i mean me need to pursue this you see me so i kind of came out of music at that point in time see and then this is how the
0: transition went now that's when rush became a producer got you because the trick with it what a lot of people don't understand is like okay being a producer that's the sexy part of business But where you're going to make real money would be dealing with corporates, like what you're doing with the disc to disc. And you decided like, okay, you know what? Clearly, I know sexy and cool and all of that would be the producer. But where am I going to make some real money to do some real things? Has to be this corporate business right here.
1: Yeah. And it's just like I said, it's like the opportunity was there. If I didn't have the opportunity, then maybe I would have chosen differently. But it presented itself to me. And Mm -hmm. I, I saw the conflict. I was like, that's when I quit radio too, because one of the jobs, my biggest job at the time, still my biggest job up to this day, I get it every single year, See? Um, they always send me the material on Saturday night, and I need it by Monday morning, at my show was a Saturday show, and I was like, why am I here on radio when I'm not really invested in the music industry like that anymore, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. and then I'm trying to balance that and balance this, and this is gonna, what's going to pay me the big check. You know what I mean? I'm more doing the music thing just because I like it, not really because I'm getting paid anything on radio that's anything to talk about. You know what I mean? It's not like I was on the biggest station or anything like that. So it's like that was more me trying to still be a part of the industry in a way that now I could do from without being so hands-on. Like I still wanted to play music because I have that passion. But if I can do it in a radio station setting, for three hours everything was sat there, that's different, that's not taking anything out of me until it became in conflict with that corporate work and then I left that too, man, you know what I mean? So after no cream to my face, Code Red Records, scene, um, I went to continue to grow and build this to this, that whole entrepreneur path, grew it into a company that does so much more than CDs and DVDs now, we do all kinds of promotional items, you know what I mean? Um, branded material, not just for the artists and the music industry, but for corporate too. Um, so I have the best of both worlds because I'm coming from the music industry. So a lot of my clients, they know me from me as selector. I still do CDs for Charlie Black now. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? And Charlie Black know me from Bass Odyssey days. Crazy. You know what I mean? Crazy. John Paul, same thing. Like, them man, I know me as Lee. Mm-hmm. We grow with Lee in the business. So if we're gonna give anybody work to do right now to do with marketing our careers, see? I'm going to give it to Lee. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I remember when Chronic's come check me. I burnt Chronic's first promotional CD. And him linked me. And him was like, yo, Lee, listen to tune them. Saying because, yo, is a blessing for a man like you and where you reaching out the business fair? I listen to my song. And them time them don't have a hit song. You
0: know so what this, mean? Is behind, I this is before Behind Curtain and stuff like this?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long before that. Long, 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 long before that. This is after protest done, boss. Kabaka don't boss yet, see? And Chronix don't boss yet. But I knew Kabaka from before. Mm -hmm. You see me? And he kind of introduced me to Chronics in terms of his music and thing. You know what I mean? But yeah, this is long before Chronix boss. You see me? So I had the love from the music business because I got along with everybody. And I had corporate because I'm on time, I'm professional. I can deal with them on their level because I'm an academic youth. So it's like, You know, I mean, I could have been a lawyer, a doctor, so I can relate with anybody on any level. Put it that way, you know, I mean, no matter what management level they're on, whether they're CEO, I can deal with all of them. So that's what happened with that. And then, in a way, that kind of left Rush in a yo a situation whereby he would have wanted to produce, but now his producer is now gone
0: because I was the person producing. Okay, because as you said, he didn't actually come into it yet. You guys formed the company, but now you left. So he had to get into it.
1: Right. So he wasn't producing at the time. He wasn't mixing. Not like that. I was doing everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I wasn't doing mixing still, but I was doing the production. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And um, so when I exited now, and then obviously him being on the path he is, saying and knowing that that's what he wanted to do too. That's where he was going with it. You know, he wanted to be a producer and so forth. He now had to go and learn production and learn how to mix. And that's the reason why he's where he's now. Like, he's a one-man army. P- produce him on, sang them. Write him on, sang them. You soon hear a song with him too, and you know? He's an artist too, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, so
1: I found that. saying him, mix him on, sang them, everything. But that's what happened. You know what I mean? Um, that's
0: crazy. And what year was it that you actually broke from the music business to actually pursue this to this full-time?
1: Um, That would have been about nine years ago. So we're in... um. That would have been 2011.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Around then. Yeah. About 2011. And that's when you took it full time, left the music behind. And yeah. Stuff. So you're fulfilling. Now you're fulfilling your other side, which is your entrepreneur side. It was okay. Let's get into this corporate stuff. Everything is going. Yeah. But you're still part of code red, but you're just not actively doing anything in it.
1: Yeah. At that point in time, I'm not actively doing anything in it unless we have a big dance. When we have a big dance. I want you to prepare for this clash, like even now. See, when preparation are gone for the 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 last world clash, the final of all world clashes that just got cancelled, them late and draw me in, like yo. So how we are gonna rewrite them song after these for these because it's always a collaborative effort, you know what I mean? And then it always goes back and forth. I come up with a line and Rush come up with a line, and then somebody else put in the next line, and then we all went up with the whole thing, you know what I mean? But I wasn't actively a part of the song at that point in time. I wasn't. To be honest with you, in a way, I kind of separated myself from the song. And this is just me being real and honest now. Reason being is because corporate, and this is how, I don't even know this, but I also go by the name Edward Lee. Like, even now, as I DJ EDM, I DJ EDM as Edward Lee, not Master Lee. Right? And the reason why that name came about now is because corporate people aren't going to trust giving their work to a sound man. Got you. You understand what I'm saying? So what happened was, is that the music industry knew me as Lee. Cool. See? Um, the corporate world knew me as Edward, which is my first name. Lee is my middle name, but it's what my parents call me. So everybody know me as Lee. You know what I mean? It's a familiar name. So on... My WhatsApp now or my BBM at the time. See, so everybody could find me. I had my name as Edward Lee. So if you're looking for Master Lee, you type in Lee, you find me. If you're looking for Edward, you type in Edward Lee, you find me. And that's how the name Edward Lee came about. It wasn't like I'm trying to reinvent myself or not like that. You see me? But because of this corporate partner, I had to create an identity for myself outside of corporate because the two can't coexist. You know what I mean? Like there were enough events were played that to get the real forward, we had to break a couple of rules still. You know what I mean? And the sponsors weren't happy. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, we've been blacklisted by sponsors. I said, well, yo, these people can't be on any event that we're sponsored." we're sponsoring. You know what I mean? So I had to kind of separate myself. And then at that point in time, everybody knew Russian Blade as code, right? So I could. You know, I mean there are a lot of people in the corporate world that unless they watch this interview don't even know that I'm masterly creator, code red. And I used to play these songs in the nineties, and they wouldn't even know that. (laughs) It's new to them. Like, word?
0: For real? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, You know what I mean?
0: So uh, that's been it's been a good journey. There was two, you know what? There was two things I wanted to ask you about code red before we actually move completely off of that. Was Trooper. You said you got your revenge on Trooper with Code Red. Now, when was that cash and what happened?
1: All of these get were at fully loaded. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The get backs came at fully loaded with all of these songs, man. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's a small knife in the ribs. You know what I mean? Like, yo, go ahead, man. What you feel like, See, you think we're gonna remember them, Data? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got back Trooper at fully loaded. See, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, we flattened Firelinks at fully loaded. And I'm not gonna lie to you, firelinks flattened us in Brooklyn. Travelers me attack. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was like uh, yeah. Like when I left that dance, I was like, <laughs> hey, yo, my head just mm-hmm. has shit. my head I hurt me, my headache. And I say, yo, what just going a while ago? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um See, yeah, we got back everybody, man. You
0: know what I mean? And it was one of those things, yeah. All right. One name that's been brought up throughout the whole interview when we started Code Red was Blade. All right. Whatever Sorry. happened to Blade, where where is he? Blade migrated. See? So
1: um he migrated to Miami. See, and he's now living in New York. Right. So that's what happened with Blade. And um at that point in time, we already had Chris Diamond. And yo. Chris Diamond's level of talent is like insane. He's like one of the baddest MCs in the game period. right now. You know what I mean? All these big clashes that we're taking on, we warred base out of say, the other day. You know what I mean? Got on for Pachuna, everything. And we lost out of bias. It wasn't even like we really lost. The crowd just bias. That's how, uh, like, Kim can got toe-to-toe with anybody in any clash dance, as well as the Mr. Baddest gear selector.
0: You that's what, what, I mean? what I was, that's what I was just about to say because I see him in the clashes too, like the Guinness Guinness um sound right. greatness and stuff like. But right. then you turn around and see Code Red on sands.
1: Yep. 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 Exactly. Because we're still we built a song like that. We built a song to be a song that it's a juggling song, but we're also the baddest clash song. Mm-hmm. You see me? So we can't go either, either way. It just depends on where the business is going. You know what I mean? Because you don't know you, know, you can't really stay relevant just after the clash thing. Like you have to be playing the juggling dances, and if you're only playing the juggling dances, you can't really be a big song unless you have a clash. You understand what I'm saying? So, you kind of have to do both if you want to be in the position that we're in still, you know what I mean? You're so, 100%. we play a lot of juggling events, we shell them there, we play a lot of the big clashes, we shell them there too, you know what I mean? And we just do a thing. Just that now it's the new generation, and the man Got of my
0: you know what I mean? You've been in this business, entertainment business now for, wow. 25 almost 30 years now. What yeah. would you say would be your highest point in the business and your lowest point in the business so far? And these don't have to be things that everybody sees. It might be a personal feeling, something that happens. Your highest and lowest point in the business.
1: Wow, that's a tough question, man. Um the highest point, honestly, was on the kill violence. That's the highest point. See, like, hands down. It we was so well prepared for it. Everything just worked. And it's not even the fact that everything just worked. It's a strategy. The dance was about to done. I was like, yo, I don't know what we are going to do, but I know what Mataram would do in this situation. If now nah met that passing; it would call tune for tune right away and trick fire links into playing. And say, yeah, come up the tune for tune and entertain the people then. See, if we didn't do that, that wouldn't have happened. And we wouldn't have gotten a run that we got after that in the clash world. You get what I'm saying? So that's definitely the most memorable thing for me. Still,
0: mm-hmm. You know what I
1: mean? Or the highest point, um, from cold red days, okay. from travelers days, it would be the time of killing at East in the UK See? um, the lowest point. That's really, really hard, man. Um, Honestly, I, I can't even answer that. Yeah. I don't think I can answer that.
0: There has to be a moment. Okay. It could be the moment where you had to decide between business and your love of playing sound. It could have been, that could have been one of the hard times. Something where. Ah,
1: now, if that's what you're talking about now, mm-hmm. that's different. That's the reason why I'm playing bad music now. Because you what happened now. See? So nine years ago, I came out of the business. Cool. So you didn't stop playing music, went on this corporate path. Still serving the music industry, but now I'm building a traditional business. You know what I mean? And growing that time. That in and of itself is an experience. But I'm so tied to the music industry as a person in terms of my joy and my happiness and who I am that being out of music left me in a rut. Like just on a personal level, big man thing you know i mean i never felt the same like yeah money i make you know cool you know i mean all right good but the joy is not the same you know i mean because what i do i'm good at building businesses see um but i'm not going to say necessarily enjoy building businesses i'm just good at it
0: you know
1: so i do it because i'm good at it and um yeah, I see the need for something and I present a business that solved the problem basically. See? But my joy and my real passion was music. You know what I mean? Especially when you're talking about just traveling the world. My my life's experience, you know, seeing the amount of places I've seen in this world, you know, seeing there's no other way I would have seen it without being in the music industry and doing what I did. You know what I mean? Music came Africa. I went back to the motherland. That was a huge experience for me. You know what I mean? I remember when the plane just a uh, and I'm seeing Africa for the fr- I have pictures of it, you know what I mean? And it's like just a different understanding of everything, man. When you see how people over there live, just everything. Same with Japan. Like in all the years I had a student, I'm working for the Japanese songs. You know what I mean? I was the studio where the Japanese songs preferred to go because it was private. So I'm working for all the Japanese songs. So Mighty Crown come down the line, you know what I mean? Yeah, me and Mighty Crown were... Rolling mad deep. I played Mighty Crone at one point in time. I didn't tell you that. See, I didn't even tell you that. I played like two events for them. See, because me and them, were so, me and them were so close. I was doing all the studio work. I was switching their dubs onto other rhythms for them. I knew their entire catalogue of dubs. And they were trying to break into being more than a hardcore sound and class sound that they are. You know what I mean? So they started taking some quote unquote more like a sans type event more midtown, uptown type events. And I remember they went to one, see? And me and Chin was mad close, still close, see? And, um, yo, it must forward. It must like, yo, Lee, just forward. Sammy T went, and um, and, um, and Ninja went, see? And it um, must like, Lee, just forward anyway, man. You know the promoter them, yo, rather than we go deal with them, yo, just forward. See, and I went with them. Now, when they went, they kinda got lost. See? In the dance. See? And I don't know who suggested it, but somebody said, Yo, Lee, you gotta play. And the second round, I played. coming no, all them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I played, and Sammy did Mike. I played that song like twice. Me and them was mad close. It's them came got Japan. I was toward Japan. Tokyo, Okinawa, Osaka. Toward all
0: of Japan with them. I you did. Know what I mean? when they were in jamaica lot was their office close to yours no this is before they had an office
1: this is before they had an office you see yeah. I me mean? um so yeah i mean as, as them land them call me like lee so what's what, what's the word like when we have a link who are the boys this week blah 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 etc. etc. you know what i mean
0: like mad close that's that crazy right there. So then, yeah, you said you were offered in nine years. You decided to now basically rebrand yourself now and get back in the music business. But now you're in the music business right. as Edward Lee playing EDM. What was that switch about?
1: All right. So here it is nine years later now, Saying I hit a low point, Saying where I'm waking up every day and I don't feel excited about life. Mm-hmm. You see me? Um, Yo, I would go as far as to say, yo, depression, I like me, see, big man thing, see, Mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, I'm making money, business is doing well, but yeah, I'm just not happy, man, you know what I mean? And that's when I kind of went on a spiritual path, see, not really just spiritual, just Mm -hmm. learning how to reconnect with what I'm supposed to be doing, what makes me happy, where my joy is, you know what I mean? How I can serve other people on this earth, doing what I love, those things, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's been a long process, like maybe two years, that turned me around from that point. See, and one of the things I did was I realized that one of my dreams was that when I envisioned my life back then, like now, I'd be a producer and wake up in the morning and go into my studio. And that's how my day would start. See? And I'd be a billboard producer, um, multi-platinum, and blah, blah, blah. I saw my life only as being in music. All right, and then it occurred to me like about two years ago now, but I can do that now, even as a hobby, just to reintroduce the joy back into my life. That's when I built this room. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Okay. And this room had all CD duplication equipment in it and everything, and I turned it into a music room, and I brought in a keyboard and this and that, and I started dabbling back with the idea of music, but I wasn't fully 100% sure what I was gonna do with it yet, see? And then one year ago, Literally, November 2019, see, a lot of promoters, see, I'd I'd buck them out of road, promoters doing throwback events, and you have a lot of promoters now in Jamaica, see, who used to keep the original 90s events, and they're now re-keeping these events, but now for a new audience, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I go to these events, and I'd always buck a promoter, and they would ask me, like, yo, you don't have to start playback music. You were with, I don't know, you. You know what I mean? And a throwback event in Jamaica, you know. You have retro, which is like 70s, 80s, all the way back. Mm-hmm. You have throwback. Throwback is more like 95 to 2005. See? So, you're talking about the height of my career in the 90s. Plus when Code Red Boss. See? So <laughs> Nobody can you. Yeah, nobody can play that era like me. You know what I mean? I have dubs from the 90s, go straight up into when Code Red boss and mm-hmm. yo, Cartel Voice 32 dub one day. You know what I mean? No real thing, me I tell you. You know what I mean? I said, so... Code oh, um, Red. Really? Yeah. So, we're we loaded. Yeah. So anyway, so now I start thinking about it now at this time and I'm like, I wonder if I should start playback back music though. Like I knew one day I'd go back into it now. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know when, and I wasn't really feeling the vibe at the time, but because I was getting these signs now, I was like, you know what, I wonder. And I pulled out my controller, see, my DJ controller now, seen, which I didn't even buy. I have two of my closest friends in life are Yrush, which everybody knows, and a youth named DJ GQ, mm-hmm. who is from Fort Lauderdale and Y100, seen in Miami. See, now he bought me the DJ controller. I knew him from Travelers Days. He was a promoter back then. That's why I met him. See? Okay. And um, he bought me the controller and said, Lee, one day you're going to play back music. So well, hold this. You know you'll go and it, but no, when you're going to play back. Just hold this. And this was like three years before I even took it out. Right? That's crazy. So last year, November, i off the controller there. I collect dust. See? And I was like, you know what? Let me see if I can change my mood. And let me see if it actually grabbed me to play back music. And I actually. Got all the 90s song then, including our dub them and everything, from Lang, code lang. See, and um pulled out the console and I started playing about the music. And I'm not gonna lie to you, muscle. See, I was yeah. bored out of my skull. See really? now that sounds weird, but let me tell you why. Me bust them tuning in the 90s and me send them the road. When Dave I put out broke out, Dave gave the rhythm exclusively to travelers. Stone Love, um, Colin Hines on Radio, to Mataran, see? And Renaissance. You understand what I'm saying? So there were only five people that had that rhythm. So me, send them to Niagara Road. You see me? And then when we started Code Red in 2001, no, when you dip and go into the last year's stuff on Code Red, that was the same 90s material. Okay. So we even loaded up brockout and those rhythms with Cartel and Mavado and Busy Signal and all these things because that's what the throwback was for Code Red. So I've played these songs two times in my life. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, I can't listen to them song again. I mean, I don't mind going out and hearing them, but to play them again, it doesn't feel like growth. It feels like I'm going backwards. You get what I'm saying? Like, and um, I was about to just quit. Forget it. See? So, like, sure. I feel this it, It's all right. Let's go back to it what was, I was doing.
0: It, it was a good try.
1: Maybe, maybe I'll go back into production or something instead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then before I did that, I was like, you know what? Let me just download my EDM folder. Because got my same version, DJ GQ from Miami. Seeing so it's heavy into like mainstream and open formats. So he gave me a whole EDM folder. And mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he's an EDM fan like me. So even in Travelers days, we would leave the Travelers dance and then go to South Beach and go to an electronic music club. That's what we used to do, you see me? Um, so that's how long I've been a fan of that genre, you know what I mean? Um, and I downloaded that photo, and after playing through the music, my energy went through the roof. Like, I got so excited. I was like, yeah, I, I was like up for like next four hours, <laughs> see? Like, I swear. And then it just hit me. Like, if the point is to... Connect to what makes you happier, to connect to what you're passionate about, that gives you a job. It's going to make you excited to get up in the morning. This is it. Mm-hmm. You see me? And that's when I started thinking you now, well, maybe I should enter back the business now and play EDM. You know what I mean? And here we are now, a year later, seeing. And I would say I'm, I'm fully into it now, meaning that I'm now producing again, seeing, um, but I'm producing EDM. Um, that's from my new, Jamaica. Path. from Jamaica. Like my goal right now is to be
0: the Jamaican EDM guy. That's my difference. And what do you, you mean as in have the EDM sound, but have dancehall reggae, Jamaican artists yes. on yes, it.
1: Yes. Yes. I've already done an EDM remix, you know, that I play in my live stream with Skilly Bang. Like I heard that one. That's you know, so what I'm saying. Sizzler. I have. An EP I'm actually going to drop next year. So you're hearing this for the first time, man. Um, to officially reintroduce myself back into the business mm-hmm. and come up with the marketing behind everything, press release, Masterly, Founder of Code Red, enters back into the music game to pursue EDM. And the EP is going to be all EDM remixes. So you know, I have a sizzler that I'm putting out. I have, um, And this is like underground stuff. This is for the DJs to play. This is not even like official productions, like this is the official remix of anything. This mm-hmm. is just to reintroduce myself to the business as this. See? That I can do this, and it's as good as anything you're seeing from or hearing from any of the top producers overseas. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sisla I have the We Pray remix with... Um, Dr- I don't know Pop. And Pop. You understand what I'm saying. Like I have a whole lot of things. You know what I mean? I have a remix working on right now for a song that Rush has saying this is an official remix with Richie Stevens and Gentleman, and that's going to be an official remix. You understand? It's a song he did that was more like world music, but from the moment I heard it, I was like, this, as a dance or electronic track, would be insane. So I'm going to have that work You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it just hit me that if I was going to do back this music thing, this is what I should do. And the more and more I went into it, the more and more it energized me, and the more I realized I could do it. Cause that was a thing. A lot of people said to me, so why are you doing this as Edward Lee? Mm-hmm. Right? And not Masterly. And it's because Masterly has a legacy that needs to be preserved. And I didn't know whether I was going to be good at this EDM thing or not. I just knew that I loved it. <laughs> you understand know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I understand. And I don't even know if anybody would receive it the way they're receiving it. So I was like, you know what? Let me do it as an alter ego. You know what I mean? And then see how it's received. And if I'm good at it and I feel like I should pursue it, then I'll reconnect it back with Masterly. Like all the remixes that I'm doing, even the EP I'm going to put out, um, it's, they're all Masterly remixes. It says it in the title. Masterly Future House Remix, Masterly Progressive House Remix, whatever it is, you know what I mean? So I'm now combining back the two. But I had to take a break from Masterly to pursue and explore what this whole EDM thing was for me. You know what I mean? And I did that nice. as it.
0: That's so crazy because, again, we're here in 2020, so it's like new time, new things, new sounds. The internet has given you access to so many places. And, again, this is something that you've been into already, EDM. So why not take the EDM and what I have at home, combine the two of them, and this is what we have right here. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, realistically, very few people,
1: if anybody at all, has an understanding I have of both worlds. Like, I grew up in England, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I used to leave all those Travelers dances and go to the electronic music clubs. So I used to live it. You know what I mean? And then I was also this guy from Travelers, from Code Red, who's done so much in dancers. I understand, like, very few people, if anybody are taught how to combine the two and make it work.
0: You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Makes sense. Who would you wanna? Who you wanna actually produce a song, not a remix producer? Hey, you know what? I think this artist would sound amazing on an EDM beat that we could produce. Oh, man,
1: together. that's the biggest part of the reason why I'm doing this. See, because this is not. It's about the joy of music. Now I'm already doing stuff that is financially lucrative. You know what I mean? It's not about that. It's about the joy of music. And every time I hear so many EDM tracks, I'm always thinking like, yo. We have so many singers out here that would have sung that better. That would murder this track. And mm. I, I can't name them. Craig from Voicemail. Fantastic mm. singer. See? Way beyond answer. You mm. understand what I'm saying? Craigie T from T.O.K. Fantastic singer. Fantastic singer. They even talk about man like Taurus Riley. Like, come on, man. You know what I mean? So yeah. these are the people who, you know, I really want to bring to the forefront of that work. Christopher Martin is another one. You know what I mean? Like, his voice is perfect for that international-level mainstream EDM production.
0: That word where they just flow on the beat, nice and light. Nothing yeah. too heavy.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And then a lot of it is instrumentation. So it's not even like a dance-out track where I'm up for the two verse. And no, not like that. It could be one verse and a chorus, and I'll just do everything else. You know what I mean? And um, vocal samples and so forth. And yeah, man. There are a lot of people I'm excited to work with, man. That's why I'm putting out the EP. My EP is really to declare to the business that I am now this. So when you hear this and you hear it on the radio, mm-hmm. like you hear a We Pay remix, see? And you say, yo, that buddy, you know who to link. Yeah, you know, you know that when you want a remix like this from somebody in Jamaica that understands what we're doing and you're a Jamaican artist, this is the person to link. It might have the legacy. It might have the understanding He's paid his dues, and him know this genre. You know you're what I mean?
0: You're authentic, and that's what it comes exactly. down to. You're not. You're not trying to invent exactly. something. You're exactly. authentic. You I'm know, like who, what I love, and what I two things I
1: love together in one space. You know, like oh, when you used to have like international producers now that aren't really a part of dancehall trying to do a dancehall track, and it just never felt right. <laughs> you understand know what I'm saying? Or like when we, before we understood hip hop. Try and produce a hip hop track, and it never felt right. Yeah, that's it. It's like you have to be authentic to what you're doing, man. You know what I mean? And I'm 100% authentic to this genre. It's what I listen to every single day. It has what took me out of that depression, and then COVID lick, which made it worse. See, <laughs> and then COVID actually became an opportunity for me. See, because that's when I started live streaming. I live stream every Saturday on IG, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I live stream me playing EDM every Saturday on my personal IG. And people come out every single week and we run joke and it it breaks the whole social isolation because my live stream is not like I'm playing music and you watch somebody play music. like, nah, I'm talking and you're typing and we run joke and people are, that I know from a long time, they're carrying each other in the chat. And (laughs) it's fun, you know what I mean? But we're playing like dope music, you know what I mean? So it allowed me to understand myself as a DJ, again, now playing this genre for the first time, mm-hmm. see, and realize that, yo, I'm good at this, like, you know what I mean, like, I'm really, really good at it, I can do this, you know what I mean, and um, that's the feedback I get that come to the live, and then, obviously, like I said, it helped with the social isolation, then, that then, obviously, branch into production, because a real way to break in EDM, it has nothing about being a good DJ, like, any... Not anybody, but you have a ton of great EDM DJs out there that don't bust. Because what breaks you in the EDM world is notoriety
0: over production. That's what makes you different. And is it the same world that like Calvin Harris and all these guys are in? Or we're talking about something different? Same world.
1: Same world. world. And the reason they are at the top of their game is because of their production, not because they're the best DJs. They might be the best DJs, Mm -hmm. but that's not a reason why there is no and get paid the way they do or as popular as they are you know what i mean it's because of their production and um that's the reason why just to give you a little background information into the whole genre that's the reason why in edm you'll always see like david Guetta featuring the artist you're not going to see that this is an artist produced by david Guetta because the artist is really the producer and where edm is coming from they weren't Using the big names on these tracks. It was like, yo, we we'll have a track, it's wicked. We we'll just need some vocals for kind of Gita spice. So they'd literally feature somebody around them. This was like wasn't like a big artist. It wasn't like a Beyoncé that had sold a bazillion records. It was just somebody around them, like some nobody had heard of. So it was really about the producer being the artist. And then they'd feature vocals from a particular person. You know, what I mean, that's the reason why. Anybody, that I'm voicing. You know, I don't need a full song. I just need like a verse
0: and a hook, and I'm good. And you're good. And again, to them, it's like, what? Where do they do this? Like, yeah. All it's- I have to do is come, give you a hook and a of verse, and my job is done. Sign me up for this all day, yeah. every day. Yep, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, Lee. I can't wait to see what's really when it's coming. And when should the um album be? What you said? The EP. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm looking for January,
1: 2021, but to be honest with you, I no longer put myself on a schedule like that. It's part of the thing that made me unhappy. I'm always giving myself these deadlines, like, yo, I have to do this by that and this by that. And a lot of the stuff that I'm doing, it's creative. You can't force it. And then there are deadlines I'm imposing on myself. It's not like I'm doing it for a label and the dev giving me the deadline. It's my deadline yeah i don't meet it so what <laughs> so i start pressuring myself like that i'm hoping for january 2021 but i still have like about three tracks i need to mm-hmm. produce scratch for it i have like three already and it's gonna be a small ep maybe like six mm-hmm. and, um yeah whenever those three are done to my liking and i feel like yes yeah, right then i put it out man. but i'm hoping for january 2021 new year hopefully a better year. <laughs> Why not you know, use it to like, you know, restart the whole music journey, man, or bring it to the forefront and put it that way?
0: This conversation was a full circle conversation where it came where you started to where you are right now. You understand? And it was music, business, right back into music. That right there, Master Lee, amazing conversation, Big Boss. Amazing. Bye. Just to see the journey that you've been through i knew i know some of it you know but there was yeah I know. I, know. I, know you know.
1: <laughs> I know you know that's why i'm glad that you're actually the person doing the interview because i've been one to tell this story mm-hmm. but it's like i'd rather somebody who has authentically been around from them time there eh, and can even remind me of certain things like you did yeah tell me about dance i'm gonna remember in bro <laughs> <See? laughs> i'm like because <laughs> i remember the dance with links. Yeah. I didn't remember it was Brooklyn until they mentioned it. And I was like, yeah, it's true. It's Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Like, they might mm-hmm. know everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, it's a, it's a joy for me to do an interview like this, sharing all this history with somebody
0: like you who's been around from them time there and know what well, really i going go on and where to come from. You know what I mean? It's been a joy to actually have you. As I said, I connected one time from my connector. I said, yo, it's Muscle. It was on right away. He said, what Muscle? Yep. i come. Let's go. You know yep. what I mean? Right away.
1: I, I, I don't change. Like my loyalties will always be the same. So the same way you support me back then, you know what I mean? You come back into the link now, right away. Ready? Let's go. I'm going to forget big. nothing, bro. I'm going to forget nothing.
0: I hear that. Okay. I need two contacts for you before we get you out of here. Contact for if they want to book Code Red, see what Code Red is up to. Leave that contact information. And then I need your personal information. Leave it so they could check out stuff you're doing in the EDM world.
1: All right. Now I'm going to have to go on my phone for that now, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. You see? I can't even give out these numbers. Yeah. (laughs) Like the real personal link will be rushed, but I can't give out his number. Okay. How about this?
0: No numbers. Instagram contacts.
1: Oh, Code Red Sound. Mm straight Code Red Sound on all social media platforms. See? And um, that includes Code Red Sound at Gmail. So if you really do want to contact Sound, email them.
0: You know what I mean? And somebody will get back to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yourself, if they wanted to check out what Master Lee, code name Ed, no, Edward Lee, code name Master Lee, what you're up to, where could they find out what you're up to on social media?
1: All right. I'm on all platforms except IG as I am Edward Lee. So that's Twitter, that's Twitch, um, that's SoundCloud, Mixcloud, all social media platforms, Facebook too. As I am Edward Lee. Seeing on IG, I am Edward Lee Live because that's where I go live. So, yeah, you want to check out my live stream Saturday nights, 9 p.m. at Edward Lee Live on IG. Email address, code name masterly at Gmail. So, if you need to contact me for whatever reason, you know what I mean? Just hit me up on Gmail and I'll respond.
0: Lee. Epic conversation, boss. You're going to learn so much out of this, especially somebody that's that's on the forefront, that was on the forefront, went to the background, and then now you're coming back on the forefront in something different. Trust me. They're going to learn so much when this drops.
1: Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I could share, and I'm glad I can help anybody in any way I can. To understand more about where it's coming from so they can understand where to take it because that's what it's really about you know it's not about what I'm doing it's about yeah. what people can or what I've done it's about what people can learn from what I've done and what I've experienced and grow it so that the business is always evolving with becoming bigger as a nation as a culture as everything
0: that's what I want to see you know what I mean you're on the right path my brother crazy 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 let me give you an outro and get you out of here because this was a crazy conversation well ladies and gentlemen this is muscle and this has been another two line music Hut's entertainment report podcast and we are out big up respect this podcast is brought to you by www.twolinesmusichut.com.